I'm Matt Godbolt. And I'm Ben Rady. And this is Two's Compliment, a programming podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, I've been thinking a lot about performance recently. It's mm-hmm. not something I've uh, been uh, worrying about for a while. I've been doing more functional stuff, but now we're sort of trying to think about how best to measure, track, and uh, improve the performance of code I'm working on. And I wondered, you know, we should just talk about it because, frankly, that's mm-hmm. what we do on this podcast is just yeah. talk about the things we're, we're doing in our day job in some way or other or allude to been- them thinking about the exact same thing actually so this is this is good this is good yeah make it right and then make it fast well you, the make it fast part right right <laughs> right right measure it right measure well that's i think it. that's the, that's the the key thing i think you know yeah. i think if there's and i think we've mentioned this before one of the key things is always measure never trust your instincts because no mm-hmm. matter how many years you've been doing this and i've been doing this for nearly 3 decades on and off mm-hmm. you're always wrong and mm-hmm. even when you account for the fact that you know that you're always wrong, you're like, well, I know I'm always wrong, so <laughs> yes. it won't be A, it must be the B thing, and then you measure it, and yes. it's some other thing. All right, I, there's yes. a, I think I've got a presentation. Is this on my YouTube? I don't know. Um, but there's a presentation I give when I go around to universities when we're trying to, like, in, in, uh, encourage uh, graduates, newly new graduate folks to apply. And I do, a, like, a deep dive on, like, a, uh, a C++ optimization problem. And I set it up. And the funny thing is I set it up for myself thinking, ha-ha, everyone will expect A, but it will be B. And then I ran it. And, of course, it was neither of those things. It was something I'd never even heard of suddenly <laughs> rearing its head. I'm like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I want to do. So that's what the presentation yes. is about. And so always measure. I think we all know that. And, you know, profiling yeah. is, is one thing. But, like, what – how do we – you know, what, how, what's your general approach to, to performance – I mean, so like, I think, I think, you know, we hit on this a little bit already, but I think you got to really start with the basics, which is, um, you know, don't be superstitious, right? <laughs> you, you, what, you, <laughs> what do you mean by that? I mean, that's, that's intriguing, well, right? Like, I mean, the, the superstitions, I, the, there's so many of them, you hear them all the time. It's like, oh, you can't use this structure or this call or this function because it's too slow, oh, right? right? That's okay. kind of stuff, right? Um, and it's like, all of that stuff is so, sometimes it's true, but it's it's always it's always context dependent. So it's like if it was true, it was only because you got lucky, <laughs> right? And it's like A is slower than B. Well, you know, there's a fifty percent chance you're right, <laughs> that sort of thing, right? Right, right. Um, so 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 don't be superstitious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, and and so like, I think part of the reason people um, fall into that trap is they're like, well, but if I don't like learn what things are are good, what things are fast, what things are slow, which things are memory efficient, which things aren't. If I don't learn these things, how am I going to write any code without performance testing every single line of it as I write it, right? Right. And I and I think that is where you get the very old, you know, graybeard programmer wisdom of first make it right and then make it fast, because the first thing in measuring is figuring out which parts of the code actually matter, because right. a lot of them just don't, right? That's and true. if you're doing sort of superstitious memory tricks in your command line parsing art parsing it doesn't matter i'm with right? you that's you know I, now i get what you mean by that well, yeah yeah I, I would to sort of take the other side of that just a little bit mm-hmm. right there are some things that are in particular in c++ that you could do 
quote-unquote wrong mm-hmm. um, forever, and it doesn't really matter. But if you've written an entire application where you've passed everything as a string by value or whatever, mm-hmm. that you profile it, and it's like, why is my application slow? It's not slow anywhere in particular. It's just slow everywhere because mm-hmm. you've done something that's kind of harmed you in the approach you've taken. And it right. can be hard to unpick that after the effect, even if it's right. Right, absolutely, absolutely. So those so in those cases, I think I think the key there is you still need to measure. And something that I do a lot with these kinds of things, um, this is like a classic example of this. Let's say that you have I'm gonna just pick on Java for a minute. Let's say that you're you other you, languages are available for picking. Other on. languages are and this technique would work in any of those languages, but let's say that you've got some some data structure. Uh, in the JDK that you want to consider using some list right. implementation or something like that, and you're like, I want to use, I want to go and write my own version of this instead of using the JDK one because my own version will be faster, right? Let's right. just say I that you want to make that claim. We've all we've all made that mistake before. Now right. X is slow. I'll just write my own, and then yes. very quickly you discover, oh, it's harder yes. than I thought. Or whatever. yes, but yeah. yes, yes. Sorry, continue. So if you're going to make that very bold claim, right? I would submit that what you need to do is build a uh, build a performance test that shows the performance of the built-in thing, the performance of your new fancy thing. At the most basic level, make sure that like when you run that once, you're actually correct that it is faster in that context. But also keep that around and have it part of your pipeline so that as you you know, in again, case of Java, upgrade your JDK or run on a different architecture or change some Java heap setting or yeah. whatever it is have... that that holds true in all situations. Because guess what? The guys that wrote the JDK thought a lot about all of those different situations and you maybe have not, right? Right. Yeah. So writing those tests, though, that's, that's probably the real difficult thing, right? Yes. In my experience... Yes. It and I mean, if we're picking, you know, you picked Java, Java has some extra fun and games on top of mm-hmm. like what, what I would normally worry about when I'm writing benchmarks or similar tests that are trying to do performance. And in as much as, you know, the J, the, the, the JVM and the JIT are going to come along and like optimize mm-hmm. and give you even mm-hmm. more of a hard time than like your equivalent um, in, in other compiled languages. Although they have their own problems too, right? Like and the number of times that one's written a benchmark around a C++ thing only to discover that because you passed in constant values to your tests, the compiler has just gone, you know what? <laughs> right. The answer is 12. We're done here. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. there's no code runs at all, right? Yep. So there are yep. definitely challenges in this. So Yes, yes um, definitely. How does, and, you know, micro benchmarks are, are great at, at, at showing very specific cases, but they're often not necessarily very representative of your program at large. There are macro uh, effects sometimes, you know, especially if you're like, oh, I can be more cache size efficient with my implementation, then you might discover that actually that all goes out the window when you're actually running in a program where someone's mem copying two gig of data around before they call your function or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things to think about. So mm-hmm. how how do you even go about writing that apparently straightforward you know, yeah, just well, write the test of my list versus the the, the right JDK's well no list. it's not it's not straightforward and that, that was sort of my point is that if you you get the easy stuff out of the way don't be superstitious right yep. like you know, measure these things don't assume that you're super smarter than all the people that wrote the standard library right like don't do that but like now if you get all the easy stuff out of the way now you're to the actual hard part the meat of the problem <laughs> with the meat of the problem which is Okay, you're going to write the benchmark that shows that your your super fancy list implementation is faster. How do you do it in a way that's really real, right? Fair as well because like, yes, you know, it's like, yes. hey, I tested it and it's faster. Good. Don't don't yes. don't worry about it. What, what happens if you pass null values? Oh yeah, don't worry about that. I, yeah, yeah right, there's some special right, cases thing. Right, but, right, right. right. So yeah, so to me that is 
that is the tricky problem, right? Um, one of the things that I was just sort of, we were talking about this, uh, I think a, a month or so ago, is I was kind of wondering, it's like, I wonder if you could use, um, and this is of course on brand for me, but it's like, I wonder if you could use some of the generative testing frameworks right. to generate, because you're just talking about like, you know, null values, constant values, stuff like that. And you can also generate random data, right? But but I was kind of wondering, it's like, you know, generative testing frameworks have these things where it's like you define, you know, a function that has like, well, can create a range of properties, can create different types for you. And it's like, you can handle all that stuff yourself, um, but maybe you could maybe use some of those to generate some data for, for performance for testing performance that wouldn't testing, be yeah. totally bonkers. I don't know. I mean, I've certainly, I've written stuff before for like maps when I, we've been doing stuff for the market data there's a lot of map accesses in mm -hmm, you know in the mm -hmm. finest world of adding and removing and looking things up by giant 64-bit uh, keys and if you're trying to do things fast there's a hundred different ways you can skin uh, skin that and i yeah i've ended up generating effectively add modify remove loops in the generative thing and they have to balance you know that for every add there must be a remove at some point but there could be some mm -hmm. modifiers in between so you write this sort of as you say generative approach and you're like okay here's a hundred thousand operations that i'm going to stream through mm -hmm. and i can randomize them with a seed so that i know they're going to be the same each time to be somewhat fair and then i can run it through map choice one map choice two map choice three and get some idea that it's representative and maybe you could even measure your uh your your actual workload and say typically we have more modifies than we have anything else or maybe have adds and removes or you know or, or you know, get some kind of smell about the data that tells you that that that, that it looks representative. But yeah, to your mm -hmm. point, generative stuff. And if you can, if it's not as as, as complicated and path dependency as as as, as a long right. map where you're adding and removing, if it's just you know like, hey, I've written my own square root routine, then of course, right. then you can throw random yes. numbers at it, or you can throw ascending numbers at it, or you can yeah, throw yeah. all those things at it, I suppose. But so yeah. that sort of covers some of the the tricks and problems um, of like generating representative data. Yeah, I Maybe haven't actually tried. I have to put a disclaimer out there, though. I haven't actually tried. I haven't gone and gotten a generative testing what, framework what, and like um, plugged it into a performance test. And give me the name of one of them. I'm forgetting. There's, there's. Um, oh well, there's QuickCheck, which is the original oh, one, check, and then there's all it. the QuickCheck derivatives. Um, uh, sure, it was just QuickCheck yeah, would be enough for yeah. me to remember, like the kind of yes. thing I knew. That's what I was, I was thinking of. I couldn't. Right. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. Remember. Yeah. I'm trying to remember some of the specific names, but they're all. A lot of them are QuickCheck derivatives, so it's like you know. Probably J check in Java. I imagine. So, <laughs> I check yeah, in C plus plus check or something <laughs> yes, somewhere. Right. I'm sure I rings yes. a bell anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. So that kind of somewhat covers that. I'm sure it's a huge topic, and you know, you yeah. and I have got a little of experience in this, but maybe not as much. But yeah. then, then the thing that immediately springs to mind when I'm doing this, these kinds of performance things, particularly in in my world where mm -hmm. I have the luxury of knowing what kind of computer system I'm going to be deploying my code onto. Mm -hmm. In fact, sometimes I get to choose what system it is. I get to pick mm -hmm. the CPU and how much cash and all that kind of stuff. But my development workstation may not be the same as that. And mm -hmm. my development workstation is running a thousand other processes, all the Javas in the world for all my IDEs, for my right, music right. player. It's got yes. Chrome and 300 tabs open, and that's uh -huh. taking all the CPU in the world for reasons I don't know. Or I'm in a video conference with somebody and like... Right. So, You're mining cryptocurrency somewhere, I'm, yes. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, so or there's a web page that you're visiting is mining cryptocurrency. Oh, more likely, more likely <laughs> as it happens. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so 
obviously it's uh, not necessarily representative and certainly another sort of key piece of advice when people talk to me about like performance testing other than you know measure everything is mm-hmm. measure what on a system that is actually representative of where you're going to be running your mm-hmm. code because it's mm-hmm. so easy to sit there and kind of go oh I picked this map it's perfect it's, it does the work really well and then you discover that well on your it works fine on your system but with four times as much cash in three numenodes or whatever right. three numenodes I don't know <laughs> four numenodes come on I don't know what's going up with me that, that <laughs> powers suddenly, of two only please powers of two yeah exactly yes. that um, that it doesn't work as well or something else is more efficient because of it and obviously this is yeah. very micro optimization based and many people won't ever be worrying about this in general but it's something yeah. to be aware of right yeah. we've all we've all run something and gone oh that seems a lot slower and then you run it again you're like oh it's back to normal that's fine and sometimes nah. that's an interesting thing to know because you're like, well, why is it so variable? Another one right. is like, well, yeah, I was I was uh, mining cryptocurrency at the same time, or you <laughs> yes. know, I, I, right. something else happened in my computer. Yes. So, what what all can one do to to help in that in that regard? Do you think? Oh man, I mean, I think a lot of this ties into how frequently you measure and check these things. What you would want to do, what you want to do, I feel like, is you have it as part of your regular continuous deployment pipeline. Right. Like right. every that time I sense. make a change to the code, I want to run the unit test to make sure that it's, the behavior is correct. And I would want to run some kind of performance test to make sure the performance hasn't changed. But that second part is way harder yep. than, you know, when I call my square root function, does it give me the right result? Right. Um, so it's it's really tricky. I honestly can say, like, I know some ways that to do this that don't work, <laughs> but I don't really have a lot of ways to do this that I'm like, yes, this is the way you do it, right? right. Um, any sort of test where you ha- are using time, where you're like, oh, well, this amount of things should run in 10 seconds or less, you're just, you're scheduling pain in the butt, brittle test we've, debugging We've all the future, seen the, this you know? shouldn't take more than 10 yes, seconds yes, timeout yes. on a shared build server that's running right. in three layers of Docker and 12 exactly. different hypervisors exactly. or whatever. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So, so like those things, I've never, I mean, maybe someone somewhere can say that that works for them. It has never worked for me. Um, and I, and I, every once in a while, I'll try it again just to make sure that the world doesn't change. Just to make sure it still doesn't work. Yeah, yeah it still doesn't <laughs> work. I think the world has not moved on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. I haven't really looked at, um, sort of other ways to measure, you know, performance, like something, you know, we were talking about the we're other day about, yeah. is like, yeah, measuring, measuring like instructions, like yeah. how many instructions did this take the last time I ran it? How many is it taking now? And maybe why is it different? Yes. But I've never actually done that. So I, I have, don't know. I have a friend who, who, who uses that approach, at mm-hmm. least as, a, as, as, as at least a starting point. I mean, there are some simulators that you can get that you can run your code through that will give you like a fairly decent approximation as well as actually measuring the instructions. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you measure the actual instructions, you've got some amount of noise from the measurement system itself. Um, but if you're using like effectively uh, an emulator to, to cycle level run through your program, and it's fast enough to actually run, you can say, well, how many how many instructions did it get processed? How many times did you access mm-hmm. the cache? That kind of thing. Now, again, that mm-hmm. simulation may not re- represent reality, but it's something that is measurable and deterministic, right. and that is yeah. kind of a good thing to have. So that's an option. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've done in this world is had a special build agent that runs on just that one machine that's only there to, mm. to service your request or it runs at three in the morning and you're like pretty much guaranteed that nothing else is running on that that agent mm-hmm. and um rather than erroring on it you just graph it and that does mm-hmm. require human persistence 
to kind of look over and say, oh, wait a second, when did that spike up, right? And, you know, maybe you could use some kind of um, anomaly detection type stuff yeah. to, to say, hey, it, the, you know, the last four re- readings have been within this band and suddenly it's outside of it um, in both directions, right? You know, sometimes mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. The, the too good to be true error yeah. is worth it. Like, hey, suddenly this went faster. What happened? Oh, we upgraded the compiler. All oh, right, now it's just not. It's the compiler's too smart for us now. It's not actually testing anything yeah, useful it's, anymore. It's not testing anything useful anymore. So yeah, I I almost wonder if some of the and you know we've definitely been dealing with some of these things that work is sort of like the uh, comparing test one test run to another, um, and 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 looking for you know like deviation, right? Right. Um, so it's like you know manually looking at it in a graph is one thing. But if you want to get some amount of automation around it, like I can imagine like a continuous deployment pipeline where it's like if the if the performance characteristics of this are radically different, mm-hmm. it doesn't just automatically go to production. Someone actually has to go and bless it and be like, okay, yeah, this, you, is, this you, is fine. Like, yeah, this is fine. Like we understand that it's going to be 10 times slower or like you say, 10 times faster. Right. Because maybe hopefully your, the your, latter your metrics for, yeah. for good reason. Yeah. Yes, not for right, the bad. Yeah. Reason we were expecting like... it to be 10 times faster. We did it, other tests to confirm and it was great. Awesome yeah um but... i guess the other thing about like graphing that i sort of Im- implied in this as well is that the, mm-hmm. the noise level can you can sustain higher levels of noise yeah in a graphing based thing because you're naturally going to say well it took 0.7 seconds on average to do this thing now it's gone to 0.78 now it's down to 0.69 and it kind of fluctuates around and you can kind of squint and look at it and kind of go well this is within what we'd expect and maybe every now and then there's an anomaly and like rerun it I know it's not a great answer. It's very manual. It's very labor intensive, but it allows you to see a trend more so than, um, than, than, than have some kind of tight bound that you set and say, well, it just should definitely take no more than 0.9 seconds to do this operation, Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. that is. Mm -hmm. How much overlap have you found between the tools that you would use to like automatically check these things and the like actual like you know crack open the toolbox get the wrench get the screwdriver out for like doing the optimization right interesting because because yeah. I think there's some areas where they overlap but there's definitely some areas where they wouldn't yeah there's I mean so there's the first thing that springs to mind is a lot of the the, the tools that one would use that are very like as you say specific to those tools that mm-hmm. you get out of the toolbox you know count mm-hmm. the number of CPU instructions retired count the branch prediction mismatches and things like that. Those do require um, a, a system where you have access to those things. And there are normally layers of Dockerisms and virtualization <laughs> that prevent you from actually accessing the damn CPU's functionality because you're sharing it not just with other C processes on, the, on your operating system, but actual other operating systems probably mm-hmm. on your build agent compared right. to I'm right. at my keyboard on my actual computer and I've got the freedom of, of pseudo installing and like monkeying with stuff so that, that's there's a sort of right. practical issue there yeah, but that's yeah. not necessarily problematic you can configure these things it's just i mm-hmm. often had to badger various folks who are uh, uh <laughs> involved in the virtualization can you enable this please i need it yeah yeah but that aside i mean first of all obviously the the cycle counting thing that we just talked about where you simulate um it um that obviously is uh, a tool in the arsenal of things that you that you have available for you and um, that is amenable to being scripted and run, um, albeit slowly, on mm. a CI. So that's one thing. And then um, if you have got something like Perf and it does work, then you can run some things and you could sort of count the number of, uh, again, broad phase stuff, like right? branch prediction mismatches, and you could run it over a 
uh, a representative like run of your program rather than targeted tests and kind of at least have some heuristics again they could maybe graph them so i guess you mm-hmm. could use them mm-hmm. but then once you get down into the minutia i doesn't necessarily like, nothing springs to mind as what you could um extract um because I don't know. The thing about these tools when I use them is like it's a journey into the unknown. It's an explore, right. exploration right. into the yes, literal exactly. unknown. And again, right. like so, right. like the the presentation I gave where I'm like, where on earth are we spending all of our time in this simple function? And it's like, oh, it's in the locale system in C++. You're like, I didn't even know there was one. How did this happen? Where are we? Why are we here? You know, like, right. And so trying yes. to sort of like capture that in an automated way doesn't necessarily spring right. But obviously the right. metrics you can get out might be the same ones that... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's the difference between detecting that there's a problem and then figuring out what the actual problem is. And those those are two... Sometimes there's overlap between those two things, and it can make tooling simpler to use. But for the most part, I feel like they're very separate activities. Right. There are some, I mean, again, the broad phase stuff, so the, the top-level stuff, if I'm literally just mm-hmm. going to do perf uh, um, stat on a thing and just get mm-hmm. back, like the things that get back by default, which is, you know, how many CPUs, um, uh, how many CPU instructions were retired, how many were issued. You know, there's about a half dozen stats and some things that are inferred from it, and that kind of gives you some mm-hmm. idea about it. There's also um, an approach that I think Intel first gave out, and this is very Intel-centric, again, for folks who are listening and that are um, maybe not so au fait. But, like, CPUs have, in general, have multiple, like, stages in them, and there's a sort of front-end stage which does fetching of the instructions that need to be uh, done which is you know like um executed which is branch prediction feeds into that and the, all the badness of uh, badness inaccurate branch prediction branch misprediction i suppose um <laughs> there's the reading of the bytes that are actually the instructions which is you know cache and memory there's the decoding of the instructions and turning them into the actual thing that the cpu can execute because nothing really executes the bytes directly anymore so that's the front end once those those things have come out they go into like a, a a box of things that I know I need to do and then there's some out of order magical stuff that happens and then you know like maybe you've got only one divider on your chip and now you've done lots of divides and now you've got like contention on divides that's sort of in the back end and then there's retirement where, where it's like now at the, the end of the day all the instructions have to come out so there's there's this approach that you can kind of hierarchically zoom in on the bit that's actually the bottleneck and so the first couple of levels of that might be something you could run automatically and note when something changes. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this code mm-hmm. ran before and it was absolutely limited by the front end. We couldn't get instructions out of memory into the CPU fast enough to sustain the the whatever workload you gave it. But hey, now it's suddenly switched and now suddenly you're bottlenecked somewhere else. And that's an event you can say. And I don't know why or what, but I can perhaps flag that up as being something that happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know how 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 feasible that is to actually do automatically, but it it strikes me as something like if someone handed me a product that did that, I'd be like, yeah, I guess I'd use that. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> run it on my my little uh, test case and see. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's a fun thing. Yeah. What about like um, visualization? Like I know that we've we've used a few different kinds of tools for like visualizing like flame graphs and like you know you always get the like the tree of calls right that you can you know click down and sort of see i think what yeah things was have it used. brendan like, gregg's tools have you used for that flame graph thing is, is is just like the best one of the best visualizations but then um the if you've ever brought up chrome and like done a recording in chrome like mm-hmm. javascript uh, thing um Google's um, viewer that that uh, shows like a timeline and gives you sort of a combination of both the flame view and also this is what see what things were happening on what threads when 
um, which is great for debugging web pages, but you can actually record this stuff and convert like system level traces either on your mm-hmm. Android phone or if you use your own stuff, you can output the format. It's pretty straightforward. And then you can load it and visualize it in that. So that's been a really, really helpful thing. Um, they've recently spun that out. Well, I say recently. I don't know when they did it, but I I noticed recently that they, they used to embed um, the, the viewer separately um, in I think it was in the Android project originally, but now it's been spun out of mm. its own thing. And so at perfetto.dev, uh, you can go and see the web-based browser. You can load traces into that. It's pretty cool. And I think you know the thing that we were talking about before we started recording this was that there are a number of tools that are now starting to target Perfetto um, traces mm-hmm. so that you can load them and visualize them in that. Um, and one of them was, I think, Jane Street released something yeah. where they were yeah. using like the, the new Intel tracing stuff. Um, you know, I should we should really have done more uh, reading about this beforehand. But like, I, I've seen a couple of things recently which have have targeted this, and um, and certainly the newer things that are coming in, in in the most recent revisions of Intel chips are allowing more and more fine grained, accurate, and low late low overhead ways of tracing what the heck is going on in your program, mm-hmm. which is super mm-hmm. awesome. You know, normally um, the the one finds oneself compromising and saying, I have to just keep running my program over and over again. And I'm doing some kind of like sample based profiling. And that's mm-hmm. okay for getting, oh, there's a lot of branch mispredictions. And I can sort of vaguely see the area of the code where they're happening. But if you really want to know, like, in what iteration of what loop something happened, you need to have this new um, branch tracing. And I can't think what the other new thing is now, which is terrible, but there are some new things in the chip. And effectively, there's a highly compressed buffer that the CPU is streaming out. This is what I did to, mm. which is the coolest thing, right? I, yeah. I mean, like I used journal, to have basically. this. A journal, yeah. But yeah. I used to have this on the PlayStation 2, right? There was this crazy, oh, wow. this is a, we're, <laughs> we're running out of time, unfortunately, because we, we maybe have to talk about this another time. But um, yeah. there was like this crazy piece of hardware that was like a four times bigger PlayStation 2 dev kit, which were already much bigger than like a PlayStation 2 ever was. And I used to use it as a footrest mainly because it was the right height. <laughs> um, and it was worth t- tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> But um, it had a foot switch, and you could play your game, and you could ha- hit the foot switch, and it was in a ring buffer, keeping 16 um, megs worth of this kind of trace information for all the different components over the the, the whole PS2. Oh. And one of the cool things was that yeah, you go like, why is it taking so long? You could see the graphics being drawn. You could then see because effectively the CPU only needs to tell you when it um, when it took a conditional branch and which way it went. Because the rest of the time, if you know where it is, you can say, well, I know what a CPU does. It follows mm-hmm. one instruction after another. The only time I, I need to know what happened is when it says, oh, I went either, I took the branch or I didn't take the branch. And I can reconstitute the mm-hmm. the flow mm-hmm. then, provided I know which CPU cycle it was. And then everything else is like, oh, I branch mispredicted. And you're like, that's great. Okay, that's an event that goes into the journal. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots mm-hmm. of fun. Anyway, um, yes. What were we talking about? Visualization tools. Visualization <laughs> profile. Uh, by the way, Magic Trace, I believe, is the name of that Jane Street thing, and that is on awesome. There. Awesome. The Jane Street GitHub account. I should find the other thing that uh, Travis Downs uh, tweeted about the other day, which I was super excited about, but not apparently excited about enough to remember the name of, which was to <laughs> use. Um, uh, the the same kind of techniques, I believe, that are now available in these newer CPUs to do effectively a, a cycle-by-cycle simulation of a piece of code by running it over and over and over and over again and saying, hey, stop after one cycle and tell me what the 
uh, mm-hmm. that the counters look like. Stop after two cycles and start tell me what the counters look like. So you can kind of like slowly yeah. run the same bit of code over and over again and kind of say, well, now measure this, now measure that, now measure that. A, a lot of yeah. the problems come from the fact that the CPU has many, 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 many counters that are available like for events, interesting things that happen, but they can only count like three or four of them at a time. Mm-hmm. And so you have to keep being able to rerun the same piece of code over and over again. Um, That's very interesting. Anyway, we're actually running out of time. I can't believe yeah. this. I've gotten excited again <laughs> um, about something. I mean, it's uncharacteristic of either of us to be yes, excited about topics. To be so I know. animated about all of these things, but yes. Yes, but we should try this and talk more about this some other time. I yeah, I, there's there's so much to to, to think. Yeah, maybe about. there's a part two here. Maybe it could be a part two. Let's we think about think that. About that, we should think about that. So, cool. listener, if you if if there's a part two, there will be a part two after this. But yes. maybe this is the whole thing. I don't know. Maybe yeah. we've, maybe we've actually peaked. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that that sounds about right. All right. Well, I guess until next time, my friend. Until next time. You've been listening to Two's Compliment, a programming podcast by Ben Rady and Matt Godbold. Find the show transcript and notes at twoscompliment.org. Contact us on Twitter at 2CP, that's at T-W-O-S-C-P. Theme music by Inverse Phase, inversephase.com. <laughs>